0: Hello, everyone.
1: This episode is going to be slightly different, but in a really positive way. So, on the 27th of October, we hosted our first face to face podcast event in London. We had over 100 recruitment professionals in the room, and we had a brilliant panel, and we had a really honest and open conversation about what the hell we've learned in the last 18 months and what are we sort of keeping front in mind right now and going into uh, next year. So it is slightly different. I sort of speak to the panelists for about 15, 20 minutes, and then we do a really solid uh, amount of Q&A from the audience for another 20, 30 minutes. So it's really interactive. It was a great evening. The audio should be fine. On the audience questions it may not be as crisp as you're used to but still you can hear the questions you can hear the interaction but I hope you enjoy it for those that came last week thank you and uh, really excited to put together the next face-to-face event which is going to be q1 next year in Manchester so if you enjoy and like what you hear and would love to be part of the next one then just keep your eyes peeled of when we announce the next face-to-face event but enough from me enjoy the episode. Hello. Lovely. Hi,
2: everyone. All right.
1: Okay, cool. So how are we are going to do this? What I always find when I go to events is that when all of you get involved, ask questions, get your questions answered, is typically when I get the most value from events. So how we'll do this is first 15, 20 minutes, I'll ask them some questions. Um, a lot of you submitted questions already, which I'll, I've got written down here. but. We'll get to a point where if any of you want to ask questions to Tony and Chris, please put your hand up, don't be shy, and we'll make it interactive and yeah, get your questions answered. And yeah, We're here to learn, collaborate, so please get involved as and when. Um, but why don't we just do a bit of an introduction for those that don't know who you are. So, Tony, let us know who you are, your world, and uh, Chris the same, and then we'll, we'll kickstart.
2: Okay. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Tony Phoenix Coles. I'm the managing director at a company called Digital Gurus. Uh, I've done recruitment since I was 21, the classic fell in two, uh, and I've kind of risen through the ranks. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here today. Hishem, thank you for asking me. And again, I believe a lot in sharing, learning, collaboration, so for me, please ask all the awkward questions that you're genuinely thinking, and I'll answer as best I can, if I can.
3: Awesome. And Chris? So I'm Chris Sheard, the owner of a company called SR2, which stands for Socially Responsible Recruitment. We're four years old, uh, 40 Heads, Bristol-based, um, launched in London in Jan, so we're still, still a young company, so happy to again be open. Thanks, Ishan, for, for inviting us along. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So let, let's just kick
1: this off like high-level. Tony, I'll come to you first. Like, like I know it probably just feels like a blur, looking at the last 18 months, and right now you just fit, all you can see is all the amount of jobs in front of you. But like, let's just start with, like, what would you say were, the, when I say the main key takeaways or learnings in the last 18 months for you from the sort of COVID experience, like what, what did you take? What were the main learnings that you took into your business or that now you really think about a lot going through what we've all gone through?
2: So I was actually talking with Chris about this earlier. I think the the thing that accelerated our growth where we currently are, what you're going to get from me tonight is a lot of honesty. Uh, I might say the wrong thing, but I will give you the honest answer. So here's one of those honest (laughs) answers. Um, We were a business which was around 150 consultants. I ran the Northern region at the time. I, I only became MD in April of this year. And the pandemic for us actually accelerated a lot of our growth because we had a large number of consultants who were comfortable sitting on accounts, probably didn't do all the things that they'd probably been taught to do when they first joined recruitment. And I think in that period of time, they didn't have the opportunity to rest on the laurels at all. And they were really amplified. And luckily, Although the pandemic wasn't a lucky thing, we, um, it, we got rid of them a lot quicker than we would have. So the, the thing that I learned was if you are a diligent, honest, hardworking recruiter and you do all the things that you've been taught, mm. you actually will be OK. You can actually ride out anything. No one ever expected a pandemic. And the best recruiters rode that out. You know, like the good, honest, hardworking, high ethics, high values people. They don't have to be at the end of their game. You know, there were plenty of associates that still did really well because they had a core set of principles that they held on to
1: so you was able to get rid of a lot of deadwood
2: yeah nice. okay
1: <laughs> love that someone else said that to me earlier so i think that's fair appreciate the
3: honesty chris what about you um we're probably at the other end of the scale because we were two at the time when it first kind of landed the pandemic so mm. it felt like it went from like zero to 100 really quickly i can remember conversations where we, we had one girl in particular was like before it was in Wuhan, she was like thinking she's got it and stuff like that. I was oh. I can literally remember being like, it's nothing, it's, nothing. it's more <laughs> like to get run over on the way home. And then like yeah. two days later, I was like, fuck, oh, this hell. is like serious yeah. now. So I think it, this is the first business I've ever owned. So like when you're two years in, we were probably like 15, 16 heads at the time. And there was that moment where like, actually we have all got to now go and work from home. Like mm. there was like a moment I was like, it. I need to make like big big boy decisions now, so we were only two years old. We had you know, limited cash flow, we are a self-funded business. We'd done really well, and I'd fortunately been quite safe. I'd made the error in hindsight. I took a three-year bank loan to start the business, which I cleared in 18 months, which was my priority to get us debt-free, which was happy days. I didn't factor in the pandemic. Oh. So it's like all oh, my cash flow had been burnt, not not all of it burned, but a lot of it burned in proactively trying to get de- the business debt free. Then that came, and I was like, fuck it, how much <laughs> runway have we got? So yeah, for me, it was like the realization of what actually running a business is like. I think mm-hmm. communication is a massive thing in any business. I think we are, we're very transparent in terms of the biggest step we made to everyone when we kind of went from home. We had like late one Tuesday evening and just, I basically decided to hold commission for everyone, just withheld it and like for an indefinite period of time because I needed to save runway effectively. And that was a tough conversation to have of everyone, but actually everyone was like super sound about it. Not one person was like, no, I'm not having it. So communication, being transparent was kind of the biggest learn from it. And if you do communicate in that way, then actually how people respond and what you can probably get away with in, in the face of a pandemic was pretty, pretty large.
1: Nice. Again, thanks for being honest. Let's, let's just get this out of the way. I know we've all been like LinkedIn polled to death on like work from home, <laughs> but let, let's talk about it. So obviously, yeah, Tony, you mentioned the size of the company you work in, but like where, where are you at? Like what, what is, as a, as a leader in, in the business, like what is your mindset towards working from home, towards building cultures remotely? Like what, what, what's the vibe? What, what, what are you, what's going on?
2: Okay, so we do something a little bit different, and okay. again, I introduced this in April. Um, okay. So none of our team have to be anywhere on any day. No. I don't, I don't give a fuck if they don't want to work a okay. Wednesday and they want to work a Saturday. They can. It is an odd concept to take, and do you know what? I was again talking to Chris about this earlier. Nobody takes me up on it by one person out of forty-one people.
1: Wait, wait. So you said to everyone, you can do work whenever you want. You, you can be you want. wherever you want. And I, Only I'm one li- person wanted to do that.
2: It's, it didn't quite happen as neatly as that. Okay. It's, been, it's been an evolvement over time. Um, everybody understands what they need to deliver. And it's just, it's a number at the end of the month. But okay. we're in such varying degrees of experience, you know, stature, knowledge, So yeah, we we basically, it is whatever that is. Okay, so you're not forcing
1: people into the office?
2: No, not at all. Uh, We changed our whole structure so we don't have geography anymore. So whilst we've got four office locations, we've moved everything to something that we call tribes. They sit across tech, creative, health and supply chain.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, So wherever they are, Edinburgh, Mm. Birmingham, Bristol, London, Mm. Norfolk, it doesn't really matter. However, some of the squads, which sit within the tribes, decide when they work together. And okay. how it actually looks, just to try and make this a bit yes. more real, uh, the biggest team, which is our tech team, unsurprisingly, they agree that most of them come in Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday.
1: So that's down to the actual leaders within those teams? Yeah. Okay. But again,
2: if someone doesn't want to be in on a Wednesday, can, yeah, we yeah. don't enforce
1: so it. So we're definitely going to ask you, like, what are the things that you look at and measure each month then? Because I think that would be...
2: Honestly, yeah. the financial NFI. Okay. That's it.
3: Chris? Um, I thought we were flexible until I suppose. What what, what was the the policy Um, like? So so we're Monday to Friday, but you can work, like, you don't have to be in the office, you can work from home five days a week, you can come in five days a week. Mostly people do some combination of two or three in two or three from home. Um, But equally we've got people that do five days a week from home and have not seen them for... Kind of weeks and months or sales meetings and stuff like that. So, so what? What is this? So, what, so if I join your business, what what do you tell me? Like, Hisham, you can work.
1: Where you, where you like, want to work? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Let, what what have been the challenges with this then? Like, what have, what have you had to work for Because I'm sure it hasn't been plain um, sailing.
3: It's been all right, to be fair. I like, surprised. I was, my, my mindset pre-Covid. I'm probably a bit old school and a bit like. I was kind of brought up in terms of my recruitment career on like yeah, KPIs, five that. days a week, yeah, yeah, hammer yeah. hundred calls—that that sort of vibe. Mm. So I often have to kind of fight my mindset with stuff like that. If it's quiet in the office, my natural gut instinct want to be like, "Gonna phone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I like fight myself saying that. So I think I've, it surprised me in truth that actually results have continued to to grow and go in the right way. Like we trust people from the outset to do mm. what they want to do. We've got one person interested at the moment who's has like an anxiety challenge with coming into the office. Okay. So he just hasn't stepped foot in the office whenever, as long as he's delivering, he's fine. So Tony, NFI, so just billings basically. Yeah. yeah.
1: What goes through your head when you see, so I spoke to a couple of owners who, like they can see when people log in, like they, they can see they started, might have like just gone onto their laptop, 10.30, casual little start, then maybe didn't put too much output that day. What do you look out for when you think? Mm, not sure if this person is really holding themselves accountable. Not sure actually this may work. For I don't know what. What do you feel about that? Is, is there anything that you pick up on, or how so, do you approach those things?
2: So I'm a bit ashamed to say that we don't actually look at things like that. And we and, we, and you know what we probably should a bit more. Okay. So I'm not saying that that's the right way. By the way, I think we're just we're quite a lean company mm. and you know, it's high pressure, the market's really hot at the minute, so everyone's all about selling, 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 and yeah. you don't tend to look at things until they're going wrong, and because I think we're doing well, you're not really, you haven't got the microscope on it so much. I can give a really good example, though, and it is quite subjective, b- okay. being really frank. So we've got every single person we hire, it's... a. It, you know, it's a little bit geeky, but they're joining like a family. Yeah. So I, I look at things in chapters, You, whoever you are, you know, whether you're 21 out of uni or 18, you've never been to uni or it's your second job. You can kind of give yourself a bit of a period as to why you've moved in that job at that time. You know, you're pissed off with your boss or the commission's rubbish. You kind of got these chunks of people. So to get all of that group of people, which could be 10, 15, 20 facets, to be aligned on a journey, like that is a little bit of a challenge, but mm. that's the thing that I'm really passionate about. Okay. Being really transparent, really open about what we're trying to achieve. So at the moment, we've got like a three-year chapter. I call it a chapter. Hopefully, most of the people will continue on to the second chapter, but I've got everyone focused on this one chapter. So with that in mind, we just, you know, communicate everything, kind of what Chris said. Yeah. Be really transparent about everything that we're trying to achieve. And the one example that I was going to share with you, like what we look out for, there's a principal consultant. He's been remarkable. Uh, He joined us, he did 110,000 in his six months. I I didn't even know that. I was sat in his probation and I'm like, all right, well, this is an easy pass. However, he's not that present at the minute, not that he has to be. What
1: interviewing around? No,
2: person. no, was in not in the <laughs> office. <laughs> <laughs> so, is not he's, he's not
0: present. He's
2: not in the office. He's not in the office very okay, okay, much. Okay, okay, but okay. Like when I try and ring him on, and I don't try and ring him that often. So on the other time, so you know, you just get a bit of a feeling. Yeah, but yeah. I, I appreciate that that's not sustainable. You yeah, know, I'm yeah, the MD yeah. of a company. and I can't just have a feeling about a consultant. Yeah, yeah, sure. But we're a team of forty-one. Yeah. It, to me, that's reasonably manageable. Yeah. Got a little bit of a feeling. Uh, raised it with their line manager. They've, they've got a little bit of stuff going on in the background. We just have a really open chat with them.
1: And yeah, work through it.
2: And work through it. Yeah, and it, it's gonna go one way or the other. At the end of the day, it's not for me to determine someone's future. All, all I can be is who we are yeah. and offer that, so.
1: Chris, anything that, because again, you if you've got that internal dialogue of like, that you have
3: to fight with, anything that you've. Uh, well, so we don't KPI with, similar, we don't KPI anything, so get access to everything in the same way every agency does but we literally don't KPI literally anything, we don't measure any, literally um, anything, it's just did, what, what are people delivering and then kind of work back from that if people aren't delivering then you deep dive and okay. actually try and work out what's going on but the vast majority of the people will come into the office, are in one office I'm present in that office, that you know if someone's not on the game and if the intensity is not there of what they're doing and you might not see that in cool stats or whatever mm-hmm. it may be it's just you just know, don't you? It's just a focus thing, and I get that's not a scalable model. Um, but I think at the stage we're at, it's fine. I just uh, KPIs for me, you just start chasing a number and lose sight of what you're actually trying to achieve. Okay. And there's lo- there's loads of examples in our office. Jack, who sat there, he was our fifth employee, yeah. first hire outside of the f- kind of four that we started with, and he, he was sat on the end of my table when we was like six of us in a little company. And I remember sitting there in like his second month, thinking. The f- literally, I could touch his phone, and I was like, he's not picking up the fucking phone. Like in my head, I was like, he's just never picking up the phone. And then deal one, like I'm in, the sec- I think it was the second month, he banged in three deals. And I was like, how the fuck is he doing that? <laughs> he's not yeah. even picking it up, yeah. but you can do it. Yeah. So
1: let's just sort of segue a bit. So what, Tony, what are your thoughts? So everyone I spoke to tonight, how are things, blah, blah, blah. I'm busy that's the response so what what are current thoughts on like how sustainable is the market right now what what if, like as a leader obviously checking in with your team speaking to the leadership team what what's front of mind right now and how do we feel how sustainable is the current market like what's top of mind for you when we're thinking about the current market right, right now
2: so i've been in recruitment 16 years so mm-hmm. i've experienced two recessions uh and obviously like undulations in whether it's been high growth or low growth uh Personally, and this is literally nothing, I did economics when I was 18 at uni, it doesn't mean that much, I didn't go as often as I should have. Um, I personally think this is a bit of a boom-bust situation, I think we've got about three or four years which actually, most people would be like, fucking brilliant. Right. Three or four years, like, this is great. That's what I personally think. Mm. It has nothing other to do with a feeling, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Before you start backing me on them, um, yeah, yeah. what I'm betting on. Um, in terms of.
1: Just like what's top of mind, just with how crazy it is at the moment that you're keeping an eye on?
2: For me, just kind of like riding the wave, but without, like, never ever compromising on what you're trying to achieve. Okay. Yeah. I think it's the most important thing. Just like, f- For me, honestly, everything. Recruitment's the mechanism, but people are the function. So internally, it's people. We deal with people who are candidates, people who are clients. Mm-hmm. People are our product. So just always doing right by that person, but just staying really true to a core set of values and principles. Because the rest, I'm not bothered if we're not number one. I'm really not. But as long as we're achieving well, I, I actually think kind of like the rabbit and the hare. Tortoise and the hare. OK, yeah, got you. That one. Yeah, 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 third nice. wine. Chris, <laughs>
0: it's
1: just like how sustainable? So, you've been in the game for a while. What,
3: um, yeah, my, I, my gut feel, I'd love it if it's three or four years. My gut feel, based on nothing other than me being probably yeah. a yeah. moody old bastard, <laughs> I feel like it, it's got to burst sooner rather than later. So, in my head, I'm thinking like early next year, like really? Q1. And I think mindset is just like obviously ride it, enjoy it as long as you can. Like, yeah. it's pretty much a delivery job for the whole business at the moment because jobs are, you know, everyone's got jobs coming out of everywhere. So it's like, just deliver it, do the best you can and kind of ride it as long as it it lasts. If it's three or four years, happy days, if it's three or four months. Okay, so on this then, let's talk about, yeah, like
1: actually in the trenches right now. So talking about how crazy it is, something I've definitely noticed is just a real shift in just the recruitment companies that I speak to. Like, I'd love to know how many recruitment companies before COVID just did contingent recruitment and then how many now do I don't know retained on-site solutions blah 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 so question Tony for you like over the last 18 months have you what have your solutions have you innovated your solutions like how have your recruitment solutions changed and, and have they and if so why
2: okay honestly not really okay I'd love to say it was a little bit more sophisticated than that but it hasn't been um lots of contingent recruitment we've seen our contract number absolutely go through the roof uh, which has just been crazy like unexpected levels Mm. Um, I haven't really seen any retained if I have to really think about why it's probably just that classic not asking the question again just being really raw with my answer and in terms of any (laughs) wider solutions at the start of the pandemic uh, there was a couple of different people within our leadership team at the time and uh, there were some wacky you know alternatives oh yeah like uh, you know this whole try before you buy and we'll give you this for free. And I'm thinking, what the <laughs> fuck? So yeah, we, we didn't actually roll any of those out, but you know, I, I, I do remember at the start of the pandemic, it was just such a weird time and there were, and I, I completely understand why, many different alternatives yeah. to that. So,
1: so still now as many contingent
3: your team do?
2: Honestly, yeah. Fair. Yeah.
1: Chris, I know I feel like you've done a few things, right? Or not?
3: Yeah. Uh, so we're still largely contingent, but we do kind of some committed spend stuff, which is, yeah. What, just like pay monthly? Pay okay. Uh, and we launched, we didn't do a great job on entry, like a subscription thing for cust- any customers more than 10 hires in a 12 month period. Mm. So we're, we've are we been great as a business at opening doors and maybe less so at kind of really capitalizing on that, that client. So lots of com- customers that are two deal, three deal placements that have have hired 10s and 15s and we've just either, it's a new relationship or we've just not networked across that or just done a good enough job as we could. So okay. we launched something called SR2 Scale, which was effectively a subscription service. But we had one customer that was like, there'll be a unicorn at some point a tech unicorn like massive fast growth company great from a case study point of view we kind of went in with that as the mindset that actually as a case study we might not make hay from this one but as a lost leader and a case study we can leverage it further down the line so, so how did that actually work then just quick to butt in
1: but was it like so you had one recruiter dedicated to that company per month, yeah, so per y-
3: Yeah, so they gave us a, like 20 heads, initially What 20 placements filled in three months, so, that this months. ended up in four, borderline five. We had a diversity placement which gave us a kicker based on volume of diverse placements within there. Um, and we got it wrong where we took their steer in terms of average salary and we priced off the back of average salary. Okay. So we were running off a, an estimate of like 45K. Right it's worked out to be like more like 70k so it's been like and we had nothing in our terms naively to like Wait, what do you work. mean by
1: what, what do you mean by that 45 running well on 45.
3: if you if you base your average percentage off 45k and say right roughly we want to try and get to 15 percent, so we're going to charge you six seven fifty per placement oh, okay. spread the cost over the next four months is going to be this in a monthly payment right that's fine and you're roughly going to be coming in at 15 percent. but actually if the salaries on the people they want for the roles are 70 your 15% is now more like fucking uh-huh. seven and eight. Yes. And you're just like working like a dog for nothing. <laughs> so, so how many uh, SR2 scale
1: projects have you sold this year? <laughs>
3: We've done three. Okay.
1: So um, what did you learn from that then? What did you take into the next one? Charge
3: more. Yeah, charge more. Charge more lines, nice, yeah. Um, and and just, you've just got to build something into the framework to have that flexibility effectively. Or uh, it was in, like, because they had such a good brand as a, as a client, yeah. We were masquerading as internal employees of that company. So it like, it's, externally, it would look like, yeah, we, were in, like we, were in-house. S2, we were in the house. We were still sat sort of in our asset 2 office, but yeah. um, they were in the same building as us in theory anyway, so it didn't really matter. But a lot of, because their brand was so good, their argument back when we challenged it and kind of presented the actual facts mid, mid term. A lot of it you're filling just inbound traffic. Okay. So their brand was so good, we'd get a, an, an inbox for them. You'd just, you just know, cherry pick through their, their ad response mm. and fill it that way. But so it was arguably just an admin job, but that's not we're not an admin yeah. company, do you know what I mean? so it just still didn't make commercial sense. Okay. So is that is that something that you're pushing to clients now,
1: or is it if it if that no. okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, less so. Because yeah. it's just interesting because one of my questions, because I, I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely seen more and more people saying like contingents broken, like only work retained, all of that. I don't know if you've seen that. No. Honestly,
2: no. That was at one of my questions
1: because a few people mentioned I mean, it. Like, is there still a place for contingent recruitment? Like we're, we're yeah, a business, we,
2: we've got 42 consultants. You know that to me is like quite small, That there are like thousands of consultants. Yeah. So that's my opinion in my world. We've got four offices in the UK. Mm. Whether that's right, I don't know. But <laughs> I, absolutely, I guess the slight change for us is contingent recruitment. More PERM has become more like contract.
0: Okay.
2: I'm, I feel really fortunate that I've, I've got a good set of consultants and that they act like contract recruiters, so is getting turned around within 48 hours. That's probably the biggest shift that I've seen.
1: Okay, so Chris, I know you're you're big on this, and I know Tony, you are as well, but Chris, you first. What Obviously, it's so busy at the moment, like how how are you ensuring your team don't burn out? Because I think there's always more that we can do, there's always jobs that we could be filling, like how, how are you making sure your
3: team don't burn out? It's just got to be pro. So we offer unlimited holiday in terms of our kind of benefits and stuff like that. So we're very there's a minimum of 25 days, and then there is no maximum hence unlimited. So we're very proactive, making sure we're on top of people. We made that error actually talking about it in COVID, where we'd furloughed a couple of people. We furloughed five of oh, our. Well, you junior, didn't get them to work our, furlough, of, did you? Of, our junior, <laughs> staff, <laughs> of <laughs> our junior staff, but we didn't make them take holiday on furlough. What do, you, what, what do you mean? So we, we, got, we got stung with an example where there was a, a junior that had been furloughed for whatever it was, April to end of August, I think it was, yeah. and then resigned when she'd come back to go in-house in September. I'd given her... N- I didn't, whilst they were on furlough, they were sat at home not working, as you say, and... I hadn't proactively said, even though you're on furlough, you've got to take whatever ten days. Whilst John Furlough is holiday, even though there's been no material change to what they're actually doing because they're not working anyway, okay. but I hadn't done that. What it meant that she would accrued a load of holiday, and I had to pay it all out. <laughs> it was just like, and I topped I topped her up to a hundred percent as well. So absolute few men, but. What about you, Tony? What are you? Because I think
1: this is really important. How are you keeping an eye on people, just making sure they're not burn, don't burn out?
2: Yeah. Um, the first thing that springs to mind is our organisation give a well-being day. It's only one day a year. So our, our holidays are 25 and they go up one a year. So, like, We're all kind of joining to holidays, aren't we? are all yeah. assuming that holidays is like the way to reset. That's not necessarily true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a well-being day that you don't have to take any holiday at all and you literally have to go and do something for yourself uh, but that seems really minor out of 365 days. Sure. Um, nothing jumps to mind other than Going back to my original point of who we hire and how we hire, and it is on this core set of principles, and one of those is being like very caring and supportive. So I think just noticing, a, a, a recent example, we hired eight associates. It's kind of our first group of hiring of associates in maybe a couple of years. and um, There was a girl, she's moved over from Dublin uh, with a five-year boyfriend, and they've decided that they're not gonna stay together, and it's quite sad for them, they're best friends, and mm-hmm. she can't financially do it. And that kind of just got talked about around. So, like, without it even coming to me, it was her squad lead gave her, you know, three days, paid for her flight to go to Dublin because she couldn't financially afford it. I think it was about 120 quid. You know, it wasn't loads. But to him, it wasn't loads. To her, it was loads. And there's lots of, like, these little subjective things. So my priority is to ensure that there's a level of fairness because mm. it's that sounds wonderful doesn't it and like oh what a great thing and he's done that but what you don't want to do is make sure that someone doesn't get that just because they don't yeah, talk yeah. about it so it doesn't really answer your question other than really getting to know the people mm. and just being like no red tape can make really quick decisions just communication
1: again and,
2: and just making decisions kind of off the cuff because you don't it doesn't need to get we don't really have a hierarchy so everyone has the autonomy to make those yeah. decisions
1: okay so I'm going to segue into some audience questions in a sec. So if any of you have some questions for both of them, I'm gonna run around with the microphone in a second. But what I just wanted to get your thoughts on, just to them before I ask some audience questions is, like, do we, Chris, I'll come to you, it's like, do we feel like in the last 18 months, we've made progress in changing the perception of recruitment, like the industry as a whole? How do we feel about that? Because I, I do feel like the needle's moved
3: on that, but I might be biased. <laughs> i would say it has massively i think it's we've, we've still got a long way to go but like socially responsible recruiting is our business's name so as a from a personal point of view for example we give five percent of our profits to charity so we've donated over ninety three thousand pounds in our first four years to, to local mm-hmm. charities in bristol mm-hmm. so volunteering charities giving back is is it is like through our dna as a, as a business i i'm more aware of it or more like because it's what we do day in, day out. I see there's tons of companies that do loads of... might be small things, but I think yeah. generally the perception of recruitment, I think companies are cottoning on to giving something back and playing the longer game of just evidence and you're just a decent person wanting to do a decent job yeah. and something good for, in terms of good karma will come off the back of it so I think there's, there's far more companies are being more proactive about the stuff they're doing whether it's volunteering or charity donations mm-hmm. or events and meetups or podcasts and stuff like that it's all just giving back into the community so it gets better okay. I think the perception naturally will evolve and improve just by doing that and being visual with it.
1: So let me, Tony, I'm going to come to you on that, but just quickly, I think it makes sense to you. So for you then, Chris, this is a question from Aidan. So basically what he said, he's, he's a firm believer in recruitment for good and putting people over profit. And I, I definitely agree, I'm saying more and more companies do initiatives like that, which I think is great. So what he wanted to know is, how have you found the response from employers in regards to this more than ethical view to recruitment? So how does it resonate with clients? Do they actually care? So do they care as much as we do? Do you get prioritized over your competition? Cause let, yeah, let's just be honest here. Like, yes, you're doing something good, but is it a differentiator potentially is how you're also thinking about it. So how is it resonating with actually people in your
3: market? I think if we were called socially responsible recruitment with the aim of just trying to win business and leverage it, you'd see through it quite quickly. And I think yeah. it, it just would be disingenuous. So I think if you're, if you're being authentic with what you're doing, you know, if we're going and pitching against another recruitment company and we've got clear USPs we can actually talk about, which is not, oh, we've got a database or <laughs> that sort of stuff. You've actually got something tangible to talk about. And, yeah. and ultimately, from my point, of view, it's just evidencing you're just decent people wanting to do a decent job. Yeah. You, you, you know, will you get stuff come off the back of that long, you know, longer term? Yes, has it helped us? I think the biggest thing for us is attracting staff. So... Our retention rate is really good. That's enabled us to you know, grow yeah. as quickly because we're not losing people out the back door. I think from a consultant point of view, people want to work for a company that's actually got a purpose beyond just fucking printing money yeah, and yeah. trying to get the nice car or whatever. You can see through it. So I think that's the biggest win is just staff, so the attraction, the, the internal side. And then if you get the right people, you get good... Like our three non-negotiables are hard work, accountability, be a good human. If you get yeah. people in an environment where they can do those two things and you've got good people good stuff will happen
1: yeah okay and just quickly on that, people might be interested so you know when you say five percent of profits how does that actually work like hello at high level is it five percent of each deal is it five percent of your profits at the end of the year so
3: five percent of our operating profit goes okay. directly to charity and then do you change that so we change the charity every 12 months yeah nice love that Tony, thoughts we, on? Sorry, just quickly on that. We only focus on small charities that are local to Bristol, so yeah. it's not like I think there's a crazy stat like 97 percent of charity donations go to the top three percent of charities. Yeah. So it's the massive Age UK Cancer Relief that everyone sees, We've got big marketing teams. If we're donating 93 grand to them, it's literally it's like such like a size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So especially if it's your local area as well, yeah, like we, what a great thing. We to, focus on small ones in Bristol. Again, that then resonates to the Bristol community clearly. So 90 yeah. percent of our perm <laughs> businesses in Bristol are on our doorstep, we can. Yeah, yeah. dominate that area so that definitely helps from that point of view but more importantly yeah. our donation will make a big impact we work with charities that all don't like earn 50 to 150 grand a year in financial contributions so if we're our last one was 43 grand
1: wow. like
3: that's a big impact yeah, that's for amazing charity.
1: Tony thoughts on obviously you've been in the industry for a while thoughts on I was impacting the perception of the industry over the last 18 months what are your thoughts on that
2: firstly that is amazing yeah so nice. round of the applause for Chris I guess I'll answer this in two ways. Like I have a personal um, experience. As I say, I fell into recruitment. Uh, I did do it. You know, my next door neighbour was your classic, wore a red striped suit, came in with a bottle of champagne. <laughs> Look what I do. He was a cockney, which didn't help in Leeds. And, and I was like, wow. So when I worked in recruitment and when I was going to leave recruitment before I joined the company that I worked for, which was 10 years ago, you know, I didn't have a passion for it. I didn't feel, I kind of felt a little bit embarrassed if I'm honest, like amongst, maybe not my family, like I'm from a working class family, they wouldn't have given a shit, but maybe my friends I went to uni with, who went on to these fabulous careers as I saw them. um, I didn't feel like it was that valuable. And actually that is the reason why I'm still in the industry because I was given the opportunity to create just something. I was given no guidance. However, just, you know, here's a brand name that I really believed in, it's who I work for now. And that was it. So I was able to create a culture of all the things that I do value around like people, but also employment. And I think just to succinctly answer your question, it has changed massively, Mm -hmm. but let's be real. Has it changed massively for clients' perception? Potentially not. So I think when we're answering this, like, I, I'm, Chris, I'm sure you're the same. When I interview people, I will now hear the line, like, so why do you want to get into recruitment? And they will say things like, you know, the commission comes in there, but they will say, Yeah, you know, I want to make a positive impact when people make their career change. Mm. I did one this morning. Did you actually buy that? So I, I said to the guy this morning, so he worked for Virgin, I think, in sales, he's 26. And I said, hang, hang on, I said, give me an example
0: yeah.
2: of a time that you can speak of a person where their job choice, their change of, job, the choice that they made, has either positively or negatively impacted them. He said then, he said, okay, well, my dad, my dad had this job opportunity and it sounded too good to be true and and he took it and he put our whole family at risk and Mm -hmm. he went on to this whole spiel and, do you know what, that that actually was genuine. But I do wonder if there is that question, because I think that surface layer that you've just identified is absolutely true. I honestly believe now, if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, I was all about the commission and all about the lovely things that I could do and buy. Actually, other than my family, my husband and my two children and my wider family, I love my job and I am there. I'm not there loads, maybe six hours a day, I feel like I've got that right now. But it is a big part of me, I go to bed and unfortunately I do think about work. I think it's really hard to go to bed and not think about the things that are important to you. So if that thing, isn't a genuine passion like honestly i could be knocked over by a bus tomorrow mm. touchwood you know i do live a long healthy life but my advice to anyone is like do something that you really do care about and find the value in it mm. and i think there are more and more people that genuinely oh, believe great. that i don't think i'm unique in that thought process yeah. so being able to share that with others and that almost ripple effect i think is really positive yeah. I would just love clients to believe that transition rather than see the it's transaction like nada, side. It's like now, not it,
1: for the money. So I've got a number of your questions here, but I'm gonna open this up. So let me just ask this question. And if any of you have any questions, put your hand up and I'll run around with the microphone. But the question, this was from um, Jordan Francis. So Chris, looking into the sort of looking forward, what do you think will be, this is from Jordan, what do you think will be the biggest obstacle agencies will face over the next 12 months in a,
3: post-pandemic world, if that actually exists? Personally, I don't think there's going to be much change from the current climate. I think if you're in-house working in an agency, the challenge is delivery because candidates are (laughs) scarce, candidates are at premium, jobs are readily available for anyone and everyone, Mm -hmm. candidates have got multiple offers, candidate control is going to be the biggest challenge and continue to be the biggest challenge probably in any recruitment company for the next... 12 months or three or four years, if it carries on that long, or three or four months, however long the case, like, candidate control is absolute key, because they're king, they can cherry pick, they'll get multiple offers, closing them's the challenge.
2: It has been hiring for a long time, so... For yourself? I think, yeah, I fully, <laughs> fully echo what Chris has said, because candidates candidate side. But I just think everything else, like, when businesses look at how they're going to grow, it can be anything from investing in... A wider TA support, marketing support, um, tech that they have and all the various things, or even like inbound sale, whatever it may be, if you haven't got enough people on the ground, like there is a maximum capability per individual. So for me personally, that internal growth. Mm. And, and also, are, are some organisations going to you know, play devil to the fact that they're going to increase their headcount and compromise on the, either their culture or their values? And lots of people will. You know, They have headcount quota that they need to hit but then what is going to be the kind of negative ramifications of that? Mm. So yeah, for me, like internal people. So still candidates, but a slightly different lens.
1: Cool. So let's open this up then. Who can kick us off? Please don't be shy. Mm. Next next 10, 15 minutes. Let's get this going right. Let me run around. Here you go. I don't know. Here you go, come on. Yeah, come on. Um,
4: (laughs) So we're working with recruitment companies every single day. And based on what you guys kind of pitch for, taking it back to the work from home, you are probably two of the most flexible companies I've heard of or, you know, had contact points with. You talk about kind of performance, like, and having no KPIs and the work from home. So what do you actually then implement when someone is struggling, if they're not in the office and they're not with the team, what are you actually doing, especially with like rookies, for example, or new people joining your business, how do you actually then manage that and? Build that for
3: them, I suppose, because like, you know, not being in the office and maybe not managers and stuff,
2: and that's a massive gap. Good question. <laughs> you know what? I, I, don't, I don't, mind jumping in, and I think the audience will probably appreciate again just a little bit of raw authenticity here. And I hope this lady doesn't mind. So I have this exact situation at the moment with someone who's in the audience.
1: Ooh.
2: Yeah. So we hired uh, a young lady. And she had, I think, a limited amount of experience and then went out of recruitment for a year and then has come back into recruitment, completely new market. And not only has she come back into recruitment to join us, so whilst we're an established business, she's joined a particular office location. If you recall, I said earlier, we're not structured by geography. It just so happens that this particular location doesn't have many heads in it because the majority, 95%, all work on client site. So this young lady has very limited recruitment experience goes into an office where there might be three people. She might go in three, two, three days a week. So I'll see if she's interested in saying anything, but I'll try and answer how I'm trying to support at the minute because it's really difficult. You know, that, that's probably the worst scenario there is. So firstly, the acknowledgement of that rather than this person worrying, you know, is we have a plan, however, I'll never compromise on quality. So that leader, that support system, who's gonna be physically based where you are, I can't tell you when I'm going to hire them, I'm not going to make a commitment to they're going to be hired by December. okay? Because if that person's not right, then it's going to take longer, so hopefully just enough open communication. I think visibility is really key, but again there's a limitation to that, so we have three key people, myself being one of them, who will try and be as present as we can, just to literally sit next to them on those occasions. I don't know whether that is sufficient enough. I really don't, and that's why I'm more than happy. I'd be curious. I don't think Grace will mind if I- Ooh, Grace? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what, though? Because this is new. Grace joined us early September, so ask, ask Grace. Like, let's, you know, if we're here to learn, let's ask Grace. Yes,
0: Grace? <laughs> okay,
1: right, let me do some moving. Here we go.
0: Sorry, oh, here
1: go. Did you mind sharing, is that cool? Okay, well, you didn't have an option, really, but. <laughs>
0: uh, thank you Tony for stitching me up. <laughs> um yeah no, so um, as Tony said I was working in recruitment for like 18 months and then at the start of the pandemic I lost my recruitment job so I was out for the entirety of the pandemic I wasn't working in recruitment. Came back, started working with digital gurus. Um and I think like for me like the main thing was like the company I worked for before was really small. Um we work collaboratively but like when you work with three other people like there's only so much collaboration you can get from three people. Um, But one thing that I'll say from joining Digital Gurus is like it's completely different like Anyone within the business is so happy to help me So I think the main hub really is like Manchester. That's where most people are. I see I'm down here based in London So like where I have lots of people in Manchester, I feel like I can ask anyone anything Everyone's super happy to help and like even like the senior the principals like everyone's super busy like they're building a hell of a lot of money. Like they, I'm thinking, they don't have time for me. But everyone really just wants everyone to succeed, everyone to do well. So like, it's super important that we have this like collaborative culture. And I feel like I can literally ask anyone anything, even if it's a stupid question. I'm no stupid. Everyone's super happy to help. So like, that for me was super super important. Like, especially having a break from recruitment and coming back in, um, having that. So even though I'm not like there, I still feel like everyone's very much around me, and I still have that support. Um, and everyone's happy to help. So it's it's great. Thanks,
2: nice, oh, thank well. you. It's a proper business day.
0: Benson,
3: any I'm not going to answer any better than Tony just has, but I think, like your starting point is always got to be trusting people. I think at times, like you, you almost approach that question with the mindset that oh, they work from home, they're just going to be watching Homes Under the Hammer all day and not doing anything. Whereas, if you're, people have to be accountable for what they're doing, whether they're in the office, at home, or wherever. So I think we would only look at KPI. So I guess our business is relatively unique in that everyone's experienced recruiter. So our typical kind of hiring target would be second job people. So they've got experience. We don't need to be micromanaging the baby steps of how to dial a number, how to say hello, and that sort of stuff. So we're around just to kind of polish and, and brush along those edges. So for us, the accountability piece, because we don't KPI, You've got to be accountable for, if you're struggling, holding your hand up, asking for support, and then we'll dive in. And you can do that remotely, in the office, face-to-face, or whatever. So if people are mature and motivated to be a success, if they're at home and they're not feeling there where they need to be, you've got to be accountable. Get yourself in the office. That's, that's your call. That's, that's your responsibility. That, that's, if they are in
5: the
4: position where they don't feel like they're performing, then it's, it's not you grabbing them until you've got back in. It's for them
3: to make that decision. Yeah, I mean, if someone's it's not performing... Position, no? Well, they, if someone doesn't perform, then we're a high-performing business. Then like, you know where that's going to end. That's so, <laughs> fair, <laughs> like, That's the reality. If you're just going to sit at home, not perform, like, who wants that guy or girl? So that's the reality if people if people aren't performing then you'll deep dive and look at it we're not just going to blindly be like you're not performing i've got literally no idea why (laughs) like then you look at it and then you can start to like dive into it spot the gaps support coach try and plug the gaps and that doesn't necessarily mean oh my god you're not performing therefore you have to be here five days a week as long as you've identified the gaps they've got to be accountable for delivering against you know the support you've given them and then you should start to see an improvement and if you don't it's a different conversation in reality. Mark,
5: question. Yes, question for Tony. So, I just want to clarify a point you made earlier. You said um, COVID accelerated your growth um, throughout the COVID period, and you're currently at 42 heads. Is that right? Well, I misheard. I think when you were before, before COVID started, you were at 150 heads. So 110. Okay. So, why well, I was sort of thinking that, so you, you've obviously gone down, you've shed 70 people and the 40 people have delivered a bigger number.
2: So 110 delivered 10 and a half, yeah. 41 deliver 6, yeah. however our EBIT is 1.5 and it used to be 900k.
5: Which is amazing, congratulations on that. What I was interested in, now it's obviously switched to more of a delivery function, was there a point where you thought actually I'd rather retain sort of 20 of those sort of people? Because what I found in my own business, we, we're... We've reduced our headcount by half the consultants and yet we did the same number as we did the previous year. Yeah. But I'm almost in a position now where I'm thinking, oh would because delivery is now the most important thing, we're almost looking for the same people that we almost got rid of. Because we almost had it where you said people were sitting on accounts where yeah. business development was more important to be able to get those relationships. And I was also I was wondering now as was like what's your what's your strategy regarding hiring now? Would you still look for people that were great at delivery and not so hot at looking after those relationships? Or are you still looking for those business development and relationship skills that are so imperative to develop
2: the account? Cool. So I understand what you're saying. A slight um, slightly disconnect there in that we didn't get rid of delivery people. When I said people were sitting on accounts, they were 360 billers. Right. However, they were sitting on accounts getting paid as a 360 biller. So they might have been getting paid 60 grand, 70 grand basics with decent-ish commission and not bringing in any new business, which obviously from a profitability perspective was really poor. Currently, we've got two delivery people out of 41. When we had 110, we probably had five delivery people. So we're not a delivery focused However, you know, in the reality of that, there's lots and lots of, we kind of work in squads. So our squad is our specialism, if you will. We've got a product squad, there's five people in it. Four of those people in our product squad aren't as experienced and actually end up delivering yeah. does that make sense but we don't have a delivery <coughs> function
5: yeah, could i ask one question on the back of that as well of so you are. to trigger to hire you know i'm looking at my own team and thinking actually they're bursting at the seams they're all having a great year you know, six of them are here and they've all had record years but would you now trigger to hire when they're, they're at maximum or would you think you know what we're just investing in the team anyway on the basis that we we could hopefully get the business in the future because i think we're all in trepidation of where the market will go with it you know if it will continue this sort of rampage of delivery. But also what concerns me is finding great 360 people now that understand the craft of recruitment, getting people to the hiring table is so, so tricky. And yet there's so many people that I could train to be a delivery person that in six months time when the market might shift. I'll be looking at actually almost like, could we be getting them out of the business again? Of
2: course, okay, so an easy one for me because my philosophy has never altered in the 15 years I've been doing it. I've never, ever, ever stopped hiring. So as a general room, because it's so hard to hire, even recruitment freezes or, or you know, our profit is not as high as we want it to be. You, you can't afford to do that. Okay, you might raise the bar a little bit more in terms of, you know, let's say you've got five people and you're thinking, fucking you know, hell, I'm going to pay for five people's salaries. I'm going to take the top two. That's a very, very different mindset to saying I'm not going to hire. But then also just to go on to your point where I think you're talking about, should I hire delivery people? It's going to take them six months. In reality, when we do hire we only hire 360 people. But in that six months, of course, they end up mostly doing delivery. But again, it, it is a mindset for me. If you hire someone to do only delivery and you hire someone to do 360, however, the expectations are lower to do 360 deals, but it's there. I personally, it's the classic, um, they don't know any different. So like, I, I, we make it quite, I wouldn't say high pressured, but there's certainly no airs and graces between you're only gonna do this part of the recruitment lifecycle. From day dot, here is the job, you're gonna be taught it all, you're not gonna be great at it all straight away. So I, I would le- maybe less emphasis on the job title and actually just hiring is so hard that we're gonna always look to hire. When we identify people, the, the other thing I don't do is I, I never have an org chart. So I never sit and think I want three there and two there. Like, I've got my idea of where I'd like them. And obviously, if they have no recruitment experience, I can try and put them in an area. But actually, it is a people-based business. And it's shit, because if one person leaves, that can be really harsh. But another reason why I've created squads of, like, chunks of specialisms is if digital gurus are known for doing cloud... All right, my top biller does cloud, right? So he does 800,000 on his own. If he leaves, it's fucking brutal. It really is, yeah? It's a fifth of the business, However, I don't want to have a business that's underpinned by him leaving. So we will create an identity over this cloud squad where he's got five people working for him and his behaviors are so on point with where we want, what we want to achieve that it's about digital gurus delivering a, a good cloud model to our cloud customers. Yes, he's the top biller in cloud, but it, it's just kind of a different lens of how we look at it.
1: Uh, Excuse me. Anyone else?
4: So, obviously, we've been talking about the fact that a lot of businesses and recruitment businesses have been growing since the pandemic. Um, But a lot of reports are actually saying that there's going to be what we call the great resignation of the fact that people have taken jobs out of desperation um, through the pandemic. So I guess the question um, that I really want to ask is if that's been factored in and what advice you might have for businesses who might be dealing with something like this in the coming months?
3: um <laughs> I, yeah i think from a from a recruitment point of view that's just down to like yeah. You know, if i think of my like immediately think of my own business i don't even got anyone in my business i wouldn't hire someone if i genuinely thought they were just a stopgap because they've just been made redundant or on their ass and they just take anything because uh, for me that i'd be confident in my ability to interview that person and think about What's their motivations? What's their career plans? Do they fit into our culture? Do they match our values? Because I think that would come true there. I think there's definitely, I could look at cases in terms of com, like competitors where it would appear they're more driven by you know, a headcount target as opposed to a, a quality target. So I'd, I'd echo what Tony says in terms of always be hiring. If it means you have to keep the bar higher than it normally would be, then yes, but I think those sort of people that's just a bad hire in reality and those people who make bad hires now people who make bad hires when we forgot the pandemic ever existed in a decade people will still make shit hires in reality so i think it's a it's a hiring it's an interview process as opposed to anything else would be my probably honest answer Fair
0: enough. there we go
3: <laughs> i have a few more questions but if anyone else
1: wants to ask anything we'll keep this going for another five minutes or so
5: So you guys mentioned a little bit about mental being. Do you believe that if you implemented a four day work week, you could uh, see maybe an increase in productivity and mental being?
2: Easy one for me. So I don't care how many days people work. I, I have to trust that we hire adults and they are capable of making their own decisions about when they work. Some people need support on that. It's really easy to say that. Who's hired somebody? who has worked for a business that's been a little bit hit by the stick and they've been a fantastic biller and then they've brought them into an environment that's autonomous. I'm speaking from personal experience here. They actually haven't been very good because that's their way of working. So I've had a really harsh reality check over the last couple of years that it's not just about hiring good billers, it's about hiring people that are a good fit. And actually that word autonomy, it sounds great, okay, but it doesn't mean that you're great. Autonomy is just a factor in that. So I think what you're saying actually sounds very restrictive for me why would four days over five be any better than five over four? That's That could be 50-50, red or black. It could be, why not offer two days or why not offer a Saturday? For me, every single human being is very, very different. Their personal situation, their family, whatever they do, their hobbies. You have seven days. The one thing that we all share is a finite, the same amount of time in a week. Don't restrict it to four days.
5: Yeah, so my question is, do you believe that your business could be more productive if, you implemented that four-day work that, that's and m- an increase in mental well-being in your employees?
2: It's, it's absolutely no different to what we do now. So I would say to people, you need to work whatever you think is appropriate, and we give a number on that. So I would have to reframe that question of, do I believe that changing a person's work, working week would change their productivity? Like, the deliverables don't change. A certain person asks for a certain amount of money they're aligned to a certain target. That is the very nature of our business. And
5: what
3: about I think I'd agree, I think everyone's different. So four days a week, everyone does that, five days a week, it's kind of everyone's individual. We've got people in our business, there's one girl that does four days a week, there's another one that does three days a week, she's got two kids and she juggles it around and she'll still deliver probably 220, 230 this year, working three days a week. It works for her, it's fine. There are other people that do five days a week, will go on holiday and they're still working on emails and doing stuff like that because that's them as a person. So I think if you, you can't blanket everyone and just be like, everyone's gonna be really happy on four days a week because they've got three days. Like, everyone's different, so you can't necessarily do four as much as you can't do five, really.
0: And, and just
2: one thing I will add to that, I'd like to ask if anyone actually does do four days a week.
0: You do, not I would hedge yeah, my
2: bets. Down that they try and deliver five days a week of output in that four days, so actually it's counterintuitive. That would be my personal thought. I might not be right.
5: Yeah, so we're three weeks into this journey. Um, it's still early days, but. We'll see how it goes, but I've got a question for the audience, do you guys, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you Didn't get his advice? answer from us too, so he's cheering for <laughs> <with> you guys. <laughs> do you believe
5: that you can have an increase
0: in productivity, um, The answer is no. The answer's no. no. I just want to say a raise of hands, <laughs> your honest <laughs> opinion. I think it's more
5: for okay. businesses to work well, five actually, days a week, well, if they don't have
4: flexibility, like, your
5: two companies do. Does that would do that? But
2: if you have the like, flexibility that
1: you're, you're saying you do, then we know we've got four
2: days. you have got that freedom already. Yeah. Can I see a raise of hands?
1: <laughs> I don't. Know, yeah. Sure. I think yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, well, it needs to change. Yeah. But so Adam, Adam, really yeah, it's yeah, not working. Yeah. thoughts, mate. So
5: we actually did a four-day week for a, a year um, before the pandemic. Um, we find that most things happen on a Friday afternoon anyway. So you yeah. do four and a half days, um, but then you'll sort of have your phone with you if you're the right sort of consultant. But having the Friday off, it was just kind of more of a nuisance. So I'd go swimming with my daughter, and I'd get out of it and have 10 missed calls, or <laughs> <after> <laughs> four o'clock, and I'd be outside on the phone. So uh, yeah. if you were me, it probably makes you a bit more anxious than like, Yeah, I
0: completely out. agree. Maybe maybe
5: but I don't just I don't know. I mean, in recruitment, you're probably pretty much working weekends, anyways. If you really love the job, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know. No. Yeah. That? no.
1: no. Oh. no. The individual,
4: eh? Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Appreciate that, bro. For a question. I've got one thing
2: to add. Go on. My thing I want to add is that I want to make money, mm-hmm. so I'll put the time in. No matter what it is, right now, mm. like you said. It's four days, I'm going to make sure that output is enough to make what I want to make. And that's down to you. Down to
1: all of us. Individual. Right. Right, okay, yeah, let's
5: wrap this up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you a few again. You mentioned that most of your recruiters are contingent recruiters and they're doing that. Do you train them to actually sell retained as well? So, for example, again, our company, they do both there's different a definite skill set actually to deliver each one you know contingent much more tradie you know roulette sort of recruitment can be still Definitely. delivery a bit more bd but retained much more delivery photos etc but it's much harder for the consultant maybe to convince the client to use them so do you train the consultant both or would you just think actually i'll let them do what they want no
2: really good question i think for me like training is a whole other topic in mind because if you were to ask any recruitment company what does your training schedule look like so all I can answer is how ours currently looks with the pandemic uh, I really strongly believe in having L&D who is you know they're on our payroll okay so building that function out Um, we didn't have that during the pandemic and actually whilst we have really performed I do believe in like just that you know, kind of at-the-desk coaching, which you could argue all day long is the line manager's job and all of that. And it was back in the day when I worked for S3. I get all that. But in reality, I just think somebody hearing things, being able to soundboard, the, the whole reason why pair programming is a thing in development is because it works. So your question about retained, our current schedule if you will all of our training is internal we haven't got any L&D support right now we take our leadership team and our top three four billers and we have a quarterly away day if you will so they happen four times a year where we'll run that retained business is one of those eight sessions so they're like 45 minute sessions it's one of eight per quarter they're optional some people go into it it's anecdotal is it the best way to do it they're pretty good ways Uh, we build some collateral on it will email it to everyone. Do they read it after the session? Do they fuck? You know, the, you don't. So, you know, it, 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 to become habitual, it's got to be just part of the day-to-day. So are we doing that day-to-day? Not at all. Could it be better? Something as simple as taking references. Honestly, it cracks me up. It's the easiest, warmest, nicest way. Does every consultant take two or three references per candidate interview? Do they fuck? Mm-hmm. So easy. So, yeah. That's where I'm going with that. I'll, I'll stop,
1: though. All no right. Um, so just final thing to wrap this up then. So I guess just partner advice, really. Just want to hear from both of you. like what I'm sure you've been communicating this to your teams. but Chris, you first. Like, What, what sort of partner advice for everyone here today that wants to maximise the opportunity that we will have now, that yeah, wants to achieve their goals? What sort of partner advice that you want to leave with people that can hopefully help them. Yeah, just for them to keep top of mind and what they need to be thinking about to really look back in this period and go, you know what, I, I really gave it a good crack and I'm really happy with my performance and what we did. Well, I think like
3: fundamentally the market has never been this. I've done 16, 17 years in recruitment. It's never been this good in my opinion. So like, enjoy it, maximise it, do the very best you can, give it everything you've got. I think fundamentally make sure you're being a good human and being good at... Being a nice person and all your interactions, good stuff will happen off the back of it. Maybe not instantly, tomorrow, the week after, but play the long game, be a decent person, work your ass off and just have fun and enjoy it because you can make a lot of money in the market as it is at the moment. (laughs) Daniel? That's all
0: really
2: good. So everything that Chris just said, because that is absolutely bang on, um, I'll just add some additional thoughts. For me, it's about having... Every recruiter has got off the phone or gotten from a meeting that little bit too early, and they know they have. Whether they can't be asked, they're tired, or they didn't want to ask that question. So all I would say is that you know it, so just go that little step further. Because, you know, the dropouts are because you didn't ask those extra questions. You can blame all the other circumstances, but the reason why recruiters are so wonderful it's that level of influence so it is everything that chris said but it's all those instinctive things that don't ignore them because if you really really want to win the winners won't ignore them they will have the extra conversation they will give you a really simple thing the next time you ask someone how they are and they answer you ask them again because i bet nobody does you're literally how you doing yeah i had a great day all right i'll move on right so tell me no bullshit no so how are you yeah i'm great okay tell me how your day's been and you'll get to the surface if you have that mentality you will uncover so much more pay a genuine interest if you're not paying a genuine interest go and do a different job because it is short term and believe me it will burn you out before the industry burns you out
3: round of applause for chris and sony
1: thank you so much um thanks everyone for coming I mean, everyone can stick around, carry on, carry, on, uh, carry on grabbing drinks, but honestly, thank you so much everyone for coming. And uh, yeah, just a big thank you. Woo! There we go. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast,